Hey, this is Steve Patterson, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast on whatever you're listening to it on. Looking for the perfect hassle-free gift? Give the gift of laughter. Visit yuckyucks.com to purchase and print gift certificates instantly. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What's going on, my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch. Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Uh, yes, another week, another uh, another day, another dollar, right? Is that how they say it? Something like that. I don't know. Anyway, welcome to the show. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of... Um, what is this stuff here? I just threw it in the trash. It was... Uh, what was it? Ferraro Rocher. Damn good candy. Damn, damn good chocolate. Anyway, uh, they recently started selling those at the dollar store. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Very, very funny. Uh, I, I go to the dollar store all the time for some whatever reason. I'm not quite sure. I always try to find some reason as to why you have to go. And half the time, it's just to buy whatever cheap bullshit they got there. Uh, but it's like an addiction. I, I must have 40,000 iPod cords uh, and chargers and... Um, but come on, they got some great candy in there, right? For a buck. And, and the whole dollar store thing is bullshit, too, because uh, if, you, if you think about it, the um, half the stuff in there is like $3 or something, three fifty, four bucks. And then and then it's like, okay, well, what is this a dollar store or is it? But, you know, if it was all dollar store, you'd really probably would never go in because just from the windows, you'd be like everything looks like a piece of shit. Uh, hey, anyway, welcome to the program once again. Uh, we got a special episode now. Now this kind of came from a weird place. Um, a while back, my older brother uh, Jason, um, some of you have met, uh, had uh, we were just driving along, and then he said, "Hey, man, has, has anybody ever interviewed you for the podcast?" And I said, "You know what's funny is I, I don't I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think I've ever been interviewed uh, for my old podcast for this podcast." Uh, so when the opportunity came up. I usually keep a couple episodes in the old in the old warmer, but uh, this week I, I I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything that's backup, and and I was I was looking around and I was like, oh man, you know maybe I should reach out to somebody and just you know try to get this booked. It, but then you know you got to try to coordinate time, and then hey, you know do I gotta am I gonna go to your house? Are we gonna meet at a coffee shop? Is this gonna be weird? So I didn't want to force anything. I like doing the podcast where it's like, you know, if, if, you know, you're at the club or at the condo or, or, you know, we're hanging out or something like that, then I'll do it. Uh, but, uh, if it's this kind of a weird out of nowhere phone call, I mean, most people will kind of be like, nah, I don't know. Like where, where are we going to do it anyway? So I thought, Hey, let's do, let's, let's try this out. Let's, why don't I get interviewed? And I know I, I I have met a, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, and I've met a lot of the guests, obviously, on this show. Uh, some of them I do by phone, so I haven't met all of the guests, but I, I have met a, a good number. I think the majority of people, the, most of the interviews have been done in person, and uh, I like that. I like that uh, you know some interviews can be you know very structured questions, and and there's some that are just very loosey goosey where we just talk about everything. And uh, that's what I kind of, I wanted this podcast more to be about, uh, 
I guess, uh, getting to know me a little bit better. And, and just so you know, we just scratched the surface here. I'm, I'm, I'm a very complex animal. I'm, I'm a very complex human being. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. Everybody's like, oh, you're like Forrest Gump. You've got, you know, 20 jobs, you know, 20, you've done a million things. And it's true. I, I actually, I don't take exception to that. That is true. I've done a lot in my lifetime. Uh, a lot of experiences, um, a lot of a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of what have yous. But at the end of the day, it has uh, it's been an awesome ride, and just my short time in comedy has been fantastic. And we talk a bit about that and how I got into comedy, and uh, kind of yeah, all that type of stuff. And uh, it's a great podcast, and I think this is going to be part one of a po- part <laughs> poot uh, a part two series, uh, just because as I said, we only scratched the surface. We only got about two years before I got into comedy. And, uh, yeah, and I could have think of no one better than to do this than my older brother, Jason. He's joined me on a couple of podcasts uh, before, and uh, he just knows me better than anybody. So he knows to call bullshit if he hears it. So I thought, uh, hey, why not? Um, other than that, um, guess what, podcast fans? I will be in your neck of the woods uh, and, and uh, uh, comedians, uh, if any of you guys still listen to the show. Uh, I will be in Toronto. Next week. So uh, come and see me. Let's have a coffee. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's bullshit. Let's meet. Let's have a beer. Take me around. Show me the sights. I will be in Toronto for a big showcase next week. And uh, then I'm back for a couple of weeks. And then I'm uh, back out to BC again and then uh, down to Texas for a bit. So I'm all over the place, folks. Uh, but I promise uh, some of these interviews coming up are going to be dynamite. Uh, I, I hope you guys stick around and listen to this one. Uh, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty interesting. Uh, but until then, stay tuned. Like I said, lots of great interviews on the way. And in Toronto, I'm out there. I'm going to be doing a ton of interviews with some uh, with some great comedians. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, until then, I will see you, uh, little Pepitos, next week. Let's go talk to myself, Jake Hirsch. Popping on the all over the microphone. You want to switch mics? No, no, no. It's okay. Okay. I'm just always used to recording with the windsock. I guess it cuts down on the wind and background noise too. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass. I really thought I used to be a master of audio, and it turns out I'm not. Well, your podcasts come out pretty good to me. They're I mean, not they bad, great. but there's times when I'm just like I'm f- like fucking around with like levels, and then I stop yeah. and I think I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just messing around with like levels. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I just start messing with stuff. I don't even know what I'm doing. So I hope it turns out all right. Well, you usually do. Let me know when we're bad. recording. We are. Are we recording now? We are recording. That's the preamble right there. Well, I guess this we're is a bit of a enough. different. Uh, yeah, this is a different role for me. It is. Yeah. Welcome to the uh, Yuck Yucks podcast. Yes. This is not uh, Jake. This is his brother Jason, and in an emergency, last minute effort to fill the required podcast quota uh he decided to uh have me interview him for the podcast today just you know just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit and find out who you are and what you what you are and what you stand for and uh, where you come from where you're going yeah yeah that's actually a pretty good uh, i never thought of it until you brought it up to me uh you brought it up to me a while back because you had the idea a long time ago you said hey has anybody ever interviewed you for your podcast? And I know that um, 
I think even at one point, Mark Cameron had somebody. I think it was Mike Berbiglia or something like that. He had okay. a comic interview him for his podcast or whatever. Right. Um, but no, when you said the idea, I thought of that, and I was like, man, that's a really good, that's a good idea. And we just never got around to doing it. So I thought, well, I've got an open slot for tomorrow. I'll, I'll throw it in. It's sometimes hard to connect with some of the comedians around town because they're in and out of town all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, yeah, so it's usually one of those things, yeah, yeah, where you end up meeting up with people at the condo or at the club or something. It just works it easier, yeah. So, let's, anyway, to get started, sure. I've known you for a very long time. <laughs> My whole life. You've uh, done many different things in your life. You've yeah. uh, done this job, that job, and you've ended up in comedy. Yeah. How did you end up in comedy? That's a good good question, man. Um, and I get asked that a lot, actually. I uh, it was all just kind of a chance situation, to be honest with you. I was, uh, as you know, I was doing my other podcast when I had uh, essentially um, stopped uh, working in uh, in like law enforcement. I ended up uh, doing podcasting, and I was messing around with a show. You were on it. So you how do you go from law enforcement? To podcasting. Okay, so we're going down the rabbit hole here. We need to like cover this. I mean, how that's just like quitting, you know, a, a profession to do something that you may or may not be able to make a living off of. That you know, yeah. like what? How could you just stop being a law enforcement uh, employee? Yeah, and podcasting. Well, that's a good, good question, man. And um, it, it, yeah, another great, great question. I sound like a politician. Um, I've always worked in law enforcement. I've worked on the social work aspect, the side of things. I worked on the law enforcement end of things. Um, I worked as uh, the last job that uh, that we're talking about before I got into comedy was I was an investigator for the state of Texas. I worked uh, child crime unit, and so I would investigate stuff like child homicides, sexual assaults, um, anything that was, you know, of big media value of of uh, anything that would you know, uh, cast a bad light on social services in Houston. It was like CSI Houston <laughs> juvenile <laughs> patrol. Juvenile, yeah. Yeah, we would cruise playgrounds for uh, for perps. Yeah. No, so I, I worked at, I did that, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened towards the end of my career uh, in law enforcement, and, and, you know, pertaining to uh, having a really difficult time working in those environments and seeing the things that I saw and, and, you know, dealing with certain cases and stuff like that. It was really, really tough and, um, ended up having to, uh, to leave. And, uh, I ended up having a surgery done and it was either, you know, I, I just, it, it, everything kind of happened at once. Everything came together at once. Um, I had gotten injured and I had to have surgery and uh, it was that time where my health was really bad. Everything was really, it was like the perfect storm. And I kind of realized that, one, I wasn't happy. And two, if I wanted to sit, you know, and do this for another 20 years of my life uh, in a government building somewhere, I would keep on doing it. And I just didn't want to do it. You didn't want to end up like Sipowitz? <laughs> cranky NYPD. old detective? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I... I remember calling you and I remember saying, uh, I need to get into something else. I need to get into some other type of job. And you had said, listen, man, Canada is the, still the gold rush right now of oil and gas. And of course you've worked in oil and gas. I mean, pretty much your entire life. Let's not talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) 
But no, I remember you saying like, listen, man, I think you'd be great at, you know, if you got in somewhere into a speaking role in oil and gas, whether it be yeah. sales or whether yeah. it be, you know, supply chain, you'd you be, know, I think purchasing. you'd be really good at that. You, you're good with people, you know, yeah. you're not afraid to talk to a room full of, of, yeah. uh, of people and, and you, you're fine doing that and you could sell, you know, ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. You really could. Thanks, man. If you had to. Yeah. For sure. I've always had that. I've, I've always had that kind of gift that somebody, I think, at one point told me uh, when you walk in the room, people pay attention. And I don't know if it was a matter of presence or, you know, because I the way I speak to people or, or you know, whatever it is. But because uh, you, you wear a lot of cologne, usually, <laughs> especially when you come from the parking lot. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm masking something with the cologne, a, a certain smell. No, uh, no, you're right. You're right. I, I, uh, I, no, but that's always been a thing of, of, of mine is, is engaging with people and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, <laughs> it's, uh, so I suggested, you know, come to work oil and gas. What happened next? Yeah. So oil and gas. And I came up and I went to school. I remember, um, I went in for supply chain management at state and I said, uh, this is a two-year course, a diploma course, but I got I need to get it done faster. I need to figure stuff out, like, immediately. I still had my house down in Houston, and I had, you know, my mom and my daughter. I mean, you know, I had family and everything kind of depending on me. And um, my girlfriend was like, I will help you go to school. I will do whatever it takes for you to get this done as fast as possible. So she stepped up, man. She helped me and, and you know, like, put me through school. And uh, it was the most amazing thing ever. I got a two-year course done in six months. And wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And I graduated with honors, and, and I mean, it, not that it's difficult to get honors. I mean, if you study, you can get it, whatever. It's you not, still manage to come have coffee with me four days a week. For, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, it was during this time I started podcasting. And uh, I didn't know, I mean, I had podcasted way back in the day. I was one of the very first people to ever, if you remember the, the Frank Prather show, we, Frank, remember my old roommate down in Huntington Beach? I do, yes. Yeah, and so we podcasted back then, and it was like a live broadcast, but it was the same general idea, principle of it. And, uh, Is a live broadcast really a podcast? I guess it's not. <laughs> I guess that's not. We're getting into semantics. Claim we're getting credit into, as yeah. being the original <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> Me and Marin, or the no, not even Marin, dude. Uh, anyway, um, no. Point is, is that uh, I never really messed around with anything entertainment-wise or, or anything like that in the field again. And yeah. and so uh, when I was listening, you turned me on to like Marin, and, and you got me on a podcast. I mm -hmm. think it was, and, and and I was obviously an avid fan of it, and I decided to start my own called the Friday Night Lights podcast and uh i remember looking around asking people to be guests on the show and everybody was like no it's you know another fucking podcast man just you know there's a million of them out there so what i just was your what was your podcast going to be about i mean what did you figure i had to say to the world about <laughs> and why would anybody give a shit really i mean yeah you're jake hirsch you're just some just a dude who wash up was, man uh, you know <laughs> working Crime. No, fair. I mean, it's true. It's true. I mean, like, what opinion matters of of a mind? Like, what would make mine any more important than anybody else's? And I guess <clears throat> at the time, as I felt that I had uh, a voice, uh, I could talk about stuff pretty, pretty, you know, educated. Um, you know, it was going to be educated conversation. It wouldn't be, you know. And then different things inspired me. It was also the group of people I was hanging out with at the time. I think it was you and Pierce, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, we always, you know, we would have these epic conversations around, you know, the 
table when we'd be drinking beer or bullshitting or we'd be out at the national or something having beers and just be like fuck man we should podcast this is so funny yeah. like the stories and the chemistry know, was the chemistry really, was great really good. yeah yeah and, and pierce is a madman and and you were more of the voice of reason and i think i was just like all all over the place but if you you know i've got those episodes saved still you know when the first two or three episodes that we had done are they still available for download i don't know if they are i think i don't know if they are i'd have to maybe i'll look at republishing those you should ones. repost them maybe That'd be make great a yucks podcast yeah yeah we had some fun times but anyway it was during that time that i was like man this is kind of a cool thing and i really went head first into it i was went out and bought little mic stands and and a mixing board and the whole nine yards and and before you know it um i started asking you know celebrities and stuff like that to be on the show and people were accepting and i was just like fuck i know there's something here like i know there's i know i can build on this who was the first celebrity you got on your show i think it was i mean in the celebrity world i mean nobody like Physically, they would recognize, but his name is Alex Sulkin, who is a uh, co-producer and, and director for, you know, movies like Ted and, uh, you know, a million ways to, or uh, their, uh, the Wild West movie that they had done. Yeah. Uh, he's writing partners with Seth MacFarlane. He was a, uh, you know, integral part of American Dad and, and okay, the Cleveland show and the whole nine yards. Name somebody that we would know. Um name we would know did you have the guy from trailer park boys was on there i had all three trailer i actually had almost the entire cast of trailer park boys on okay. i interviewed uh, uh ricky uh julian and bubbles mm-hmm. i have interviewed Leahy. i've interviewed Leahy's daughter i've interviewed uh, i became good friends with lucy de Cater, um from the show um i've interviewed jonathan torrens um i've interviewed uh jerry d i've interviewed Jesus, uh, everybody uh, Spenny from Spenny versus Kenny. Uh-huh. Um, I even interviewed uh, an HBO, uh, the director for uh, Sex in the City and uh, uh, Entourage, and now he's doing the Rock Show Ballers. Uh, Julian Perino, I interviewed him. Okay. Um, so I've I've had a chance to interview some really amazing people on that show, and even some people like local chefs that, and you know personalities. You know, mm-hmm. I've interviewed uh, people from CBC. You know, hosts on, of their own radio show. Wow, stuff like that. So I was really into it, and and some of the stories I was getting, I was like, wow. I mean, I would interview a UFC fighter one week, and then the next week I would interview um an actor from like the 100 or or something like that and and i was just getting all these great stories and i was like man i can't turn this into a fucking career i for some reason i was missing something i had a i had a i had a uh the show i was getting sponsors for for my show i mean it was i was growing an audience yeah i think at the top of my game I was probably in the podcast on that podcast probably making over 2500 us a month whoa easy there you don't want to be saying that out loud. <laughs> Revenue Canada might be listening, you know. I was in the States at the time, I think. Anyway, point of the being sure was that I was I'm I was sure making money. IRS is listening. I was making money. Mm-hmm. And and I had like legitimate sponsors. I had like the Chicago Chop House downtown is like my main sponsor and all this stuff. So it was great. Like I, you know, I, I was I, I felt that I had found something I was good at. And I didn't want to stop. And I just kept going and going and going. And then I read a status update that Mark Breslin, founder of Yuck Yucks, is in Calgary. And that's how I got into comedy. Mark Breslin. So Mark Breslin decided to be on your podcast. I and he liked being on your show so much right. that he offered you, you know, some sort of a role, some official role, some 
post a podcast. Let's create a podcast. What What did he say? To it was you? a tougher sell than that. It was. Uh, I had met him. Um, Remember, he's probably going to listen to this. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. And I've got a, a tremendous amount of respect for uh, for for Mr. Breslin. And and you know, I think let's keep it clean. <laughs> I think if I, uh, I think it was a meant to be moment for sure. I saw on a friend's timeline that Mark Breslin was going to be in town uh, doing a um, doing a showcase for c- comedians. And for those who don't know what a showcase is, is basically where comedians come to show off in front of you. Like it's they come and do their their time, and he can look at the c- comics and evaluate and see who he wants to sign and you know uh, who he doesn't. Um, what a humiliating experience <laughs> to not pick. Huh? Well, I mean, you don't know until it's. I mean, it's. I guess it would be the, the it'd be probably the same as going for like an audition bachelor. in Hollywood, right? <laughs> it's like The Bachelor. Yeah, if Only Mark Breslin brings you a rose, you're in. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I saw that he was in town. I reached out to him on Facebook. I didn't think he was going to answer, and I was like, you know, this is. Uh, I gotta, you know, I'd love to interview you, and and this is what my show is all about. And here's my following, and here. Mm-hmm my statistics and all the stuff you do to sell a guest to come on the show. Um, and he responds and he says, this sounds like a pretty fascinating thing. I'd, I'd love to do it. So this is the hotel. I'll meet you in the lobby and, and you know, we can use one of the conference rooms or something like that. So yeah. um, off I went and I went uh, and I met him and uh, what was supposed to be a 30 minute podcast ended up being, I think it was over an hour and wow. Yeah. And uh, you, uh, publish the entire interview or did you just publish a portion of it no i think i published the entire thing i don't think there's i don't think i edited anything out i don't don't have him saying anything incriminating like (laughs) (laughs) no no i'm mark breslin i can just go up to women and do whatever i want (laughs) no no he was the uh he was the consummate professional and i remember being just very i was obviously very uh i was nervous you know and i don't get nervous in front of people i usually don't there's you know whether it be a you know Three hundred pound thug or, or whatever. I don't get yeah. nervous um, per se, but but with Mark, I felt a little nervous. I felt like this is a guy who was you know behind a lot of great names in comedy. Yeah, man, he's like a legend, right? He, he's a legend for sure. I mean, we're talking you know Jim Carrey and Howie Mandel and and you know uh, Russell Peters and I mean some of the best you know out there and and continues to have that brand in Canada and be synonymous. I mean, it's I think it's the largest chain in the world. As far as comedy clubs, and, and really done your research before. Uh, <laughs> podcast, <laughs> I tried huh? to, yeah, um, but no, I remember doing my research with him before and reading his story and and you know looking into you know how this all started and everything and and any long story short, we had this fantastic interview, and uh, we, you know, it's, it's kind of hit it off in in a way. He told me he reminded me of, of one of his favorite comedians uh, just because you know the the Jewish tattoo and. <laughs> And we just had a really good dialogue, and, and uh, we continued to talk a- even after the mics were off, and, and we just got along really well. And it wasn't until a couple of months later I had said uh, I had reached out and I said, "Hey, you know what, Mark? Have you, have you ever considered doing a comedy podcast? I know Yuck Yucks doesn't have one, and you have such a great rotation of comedians coming to local clubs. Like it wouldn't be that difficult, and even over the phone or whatever." And I think he wrote back the first time, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really know if that's if that's." Uh you know, like maybe draw something up and, and maybe explain it to me, like why this would benefit Yuck Yucks. Like, yeah. like, well, like, what would this do type of thing? And uh, 
And I was like, uh, yeah, and I don't know why, but it's just, it was like a challenge. It was like someone laid it down to me, and I went and I wrote this, like, you know, <laughs> like eight-page presentation about, you know, the benefits of, of uh, having a podcast and what it can do for marketing and what it can do for engaging, you know, and, and getting to know performers that are that you're watching. And this could be something that big not only for comics, but it could be big for, you know, fans and the company and the whole nine yards. So anyway... I wrote it all up and I sent it off and I didn't hear anything for probably a couple of months or something. And then out of the blue, I see this, my phone light up one day and it says yuck yucks on it. And I'm just like, what What the hell is this? And then it was uh, Kira, Kira Williams, my, my producer. And she's vice president of operations at, at uh, yuck yucks. And, and she called me out of the blue and was just like, Hey, uh, by the way, Mark likes what you wrote. And, and, you know, I'm kind of, been put in charge of this and and uh i'm gonna try to you know produce this podcast and and you know i'm gonna be working with you to get this off the ground and get it going and i think we're probably 70 episodes in now you know and it's wow. yeah pretty crazy so i've interviewed two a week one a week one a week one a week wow, that's a lot yeah yeah it, it's yeah it's over a year and um who's been your favorite guest so far I would say, I mean, I know certain certain ones stand out for sure. Um, Sam Tripoli stood out for sure because that was the first pseudo big name in comedy that I had interviewed. I mean, you know, Sam Tripoli, and people don't know the name. I mean, he's yeah. very legendary as far as being around the comedy store with, like, Mitzi Shore and, and you know, coming up with, uh, you know, um, a lot of the guys around that, that, that time. And so, you know, somebody who's very big in the comedy scene over there and uh, – just the stories that he was telling about, you know, working at the comedy store and like, you know, being a bouncer at the front door and you know everybody that comes in and, and just having this relationship that to people that in your mind, you're thinking like, these are like, wow, these are people that I, I read about or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it was just very Marin, like it was very Mark Marin where he interviews these old comics and they talk about you know, Bud Friedman back in the early days or Mitzi back in legendary. Stuff. Yeah. And, and you're, you're talking to somebody, it. you're just like, holy shit. Um, yeah. This person was there. Uh, uh, Fitzsimmons, Greg Fitzsimmons was was a dynamite interview. And, and you know, I mean, he was like roommates with Joe Rogan and came up with Louis C.K. And, I mean, yeah. to hear, like, with Burr and everybody. And I'm just like, holy shit, you know. And these are people you see and you talk about, but you don't necessarily get to sit down and chat it up with and have dinner and hang out. Um, Steve Simone is another fantastic interview. Um, and these are all – mostly of these guys have been U.S. guys. Um, but my favorite ones in Canada have been Cal Post sticks out for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I, I uh, because, you know, we sit and we have these like legendary, you know, uh, podcasts. We'll do two or three hours at a time and just go down the rabbit hole, man. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I loved uh, interviewing, uh, you know, Kathleen McGee. And I lo loved interviewing. Um, uh, there's just a whole list of people. I mean. It's a it's lot hard to of pick. people. It's like asking to pick which one of your kids. Your favorite, your favorite kids. Yeah. I mean, there's just been a lot of great stories. I mean, even some of the amateurs. I mean, like, you know, Adam Ruby and, and Paul Can and Nav Galley. Like, even like some of these, like the young amateur circuit guys that I've had on there, you yeah. know, just, I'm just like, wow, holy shit, man. Like, some of the stories are just crazy. great. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's crazy the way people, people think, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you know, and everybody's different. Everybody's different. And I know that, you know, um, Comedians are a different breed, though. Are they not? They I are. Mean, when you they interview are. somebody for a podcast for one hour, yeah, they're funny and they're engaging. But behind the scenes, it's not. They're not always like that, are they? No, no. And I think uh, working in the business now has taught me that. That um, 
it's a very it's a very fine line between um happy and sad in that world and mm-hmm. i think a lot of comedians and i'm not generalizing um but i think a lot of comedians i mean this is obviously a very cathartic thing for them like they get it's a certain therapy and there's a certain self-worth that you get when you get up on stage and people like what you know what you're doing and and i think i've experienced that where i've gone up on stage and i think that's where that comes from is when you get that acceptance immediate acceptance from people they laugh at your jokes they mm-hmm. think you're funny and it gets to this point where you're doing comedy and you know you could be up on stage and everything you're saying is just fucking hitting the mark boom 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 and the crowd you can see the crowd is just like no matter what you do you're not going to you can't go wrong here you've got them and i think that's the addiction part and it's interesting meeting all these different people but there's they do have a lot of the same qualities as far as just being uh, you know, I've worked like, as you said, a lot in different businesses and I've seen the worst of people. Yeah. And, um, comedians have been some of the best people I've ever engaged with, man. Just sat and talked with a bunch of really nice guys that you hang out with here in town. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Funny guys. They're all funny. They're all super funny and they're humble and, and they're, and you know, and, and I'm not excluding any women because, uh, I've only recently started getting to know a lot of the female comics. Well, the female comedians that I've met through you are hilarious. I mean, Kathleen is fantastic. And, and even some of like the, you know, the younger local comics here that I've kind of, I mean, when I started getting into comedy, it was just a couple years ago. But uh, even the people that I met when I first got in were people that I've seen grow in that two-year pa- I mean, span of time. The first people I, I really got to know on the local scene here, uh, obviously, like Ben Cannon, Alan Cho, Amy Edgar, Amy Bug, um, uh, you know, those, that crew, that, you yeah. know, Brittany Lysing, those. It was like a, a cert- there was a really core group of people that had been doing it for three or four years. And uh, where I could see that they were starting to get momentum to like, okay, these guys are going to make a run at it here. Yeah. And it's just been impressive to watch that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great group of people, and and everybody that I've met, I haven't really had any horrible experiences. There's been one or two that have kind of just been either put off by me. I don't know if it's you know I'm always a pretty introspective person. I try to you know be like, oh, am I being an asshole or am I being a dick or like yeah, what's going on? Usually but pretty nice. I'm usually pretty good. For the most part. But I think that, uh, you know, there's just, th- you're not going to like, uh, people are, not everyone's going to like you, right? And, and I don't know if that's the case, but, uh, you know, I, true. I, I hope that's not, you know, something that, you know, whatever. Uh, but I think on the flip side of that as well is that I think there's different perceptions of, you know, who is this guy and yeah. why did he get a podcast? Like, wh- who the fuck, like... There's a lot of comedians, and I think I've learned this more in this business than any other business, is that there's a lot of comedians that are, it's that same feeling you get, and I talk about this a lot of times on the show, about if something happens for you before it happens for me, and I've been doing this longer than you, then you're somehow taking that away from me. Like, you're taking that out of my mouth, right? Are you saying people are jealous of your success? No, not at all. I'm saying that I think people in this business can be very jealous because it is there's no benchmarks of success things could happen for somebody faster than they happen for other people well that's probably true in the workplace everywhere you go right uh but i think that there's a certain thing where i think uh whether it be like in law enforcement where if you know you 
you earn the stripes, you get the check, right? So as your experience in the company is there longer, as the longer years you put in, the more time you put in, the more things you learn, your value is increased, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. In comedy, it's not always like that. Oh, you can, like that you can be seven years in, but you could still suck. You know what I mean? You could like still not be music. getting a booking. It's like that in the music world and in the private sector, too. I mean, I worked with people who can only do one part of their job. And they'll do that job for 25 years. Right. And they have no interest in learning or getting to the next level. Right. But those same people bitch about other people who come in, and get hired, it, get it before and them. then go and do something more complex that right. pays more than them. And, and you know what? Maybe that is a perspective that, um, you know what, like I, 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 I think about a lot um, just in this in terms. Because like when I first started doing the podcast – People weren't jealous. It's, it's. I don't like. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. Maybe I express that wrong. Well, maybe you it's not jealous. To yourself. Yeah, yeah. Referring like, to other people in general. Right. But I think it's just one of those things. Of it's almost like this. Uh, you know, and I think that's a lot of like even like what Marin's podcast is based on is him repairing relationships with people that he was a real asshole to back in the day because he just didn't think they fit in that world. Like, who are you, and why are you coming in here and taking stuff from us? This isn't your thing. Yeah. And I felt. Like when I first started that, you know, a lot of people were probably like, who is this guy and why does he just get a podcast for Yuck Yucks? Because no matter if it's a small thing or not, I mean, to have a podcast for Yuck Yucks is a is a pretty big thing in the comedy world to have access to a lot of people and to meet people and to have a good show. I mean, you're getting a following. It's a brand name. It is. Absolutely. Getting your product in Walmart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, um, and, and so I think. When I when I first did that and I and I I felt a little bit of like, you know, who, I think it was just a matter of a process of getting to know me and getting to trust me a little bit and know that this isn't a wolf coming in in sheep's clothing and, and you know, you know, hey, how's it going, man? How's you know, what's your career like? And then just be a total asshole about it. I think it was more of it was coming from a genuine place. And I think it just had to people had to get to know me before yeah. they trusted me, I guess. And now that they've love you and they trust you you're a man of the people <laughs> i i try to be a man of the people but i'm also trying to i'm trying to change comedy a bit i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to to fall in line i'm trying to i'm trying to change things in comedy and that are going to make it better and that's a pretty probably egotistical and asshole thing to say but it is what it is before we get to that let me sure. ask you do you miss podcasting about other things besides comedy Yes, and because big, there's so much yeah. in the world that you and I talk about, right? You and I talk about politics. You and I talk about uh, sports. We talk yeah. about you know world events, war, topical, whatever, topical yeah. stuff, books, TV shows. We talk TV all the freaking time, right? You know, you've got to miss podcasting about that kind of stuff. I do, I really do. And there's times um, I had another show where I would talk about daily topics um, called the Jake Hirsch Daily Show. And uh, and that you was a think fun of show. More original name for your I know. next podcast. Everything is just Jigger Friday Night Lights. But no, I was even talking because I, I know that I even approached you about doing a political podcast with a uh, comedian friend of mine, uh, Derek Sweet, and and because all three of us are very passionate about politics, and mm-hmm. every time we talk, it's a usually politics is at the forefront of it. You know what's going on, and but yeah, I do, I do miss that once in a while for sure, and I mm-hmm. think. Not every interview on on the Yucks podcast has to necessarily be about their history in comedy. I've talked to you know people like Cal Post, and we can go on an hour about you know different things in the world that's going on, and yeah. that's okay too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because some people don't 
you know, necessarily want to share everything with somebody that they've met for 45 minutes, you know? That's true. Yeah. I hear you on that. Yeah. But no, it's been, uh, it's been good. But yeah, I mean, but, but back to what I was saying about, you know, that, that whole type of thing is, is, is trying to change comedy a little bit at a time. And, you know, I hope, um, in what way are you trying to make comedy a better place for comedians? Are you trying to, uh, bring comedy to the masses where it normally wouldn't have been? Well, I mean, what are you doing? I, I think it's more along the lines of, I see so many talented comedians and it's tough. It's, it's, it's a very tough grind of work because you have to be, it's like you look at someone like Todd Ness, right? Todd Ness is, is I think one of the, the brightest up and coming talents in all of Canada. Um, but that's a perfect example. Todd Ness works a day a day job. He works a nine to five. I think he works in. He, I, I know he works in oil and gas. So he makes good good money. But he's also really good at comedy. And in order for you to get to where you want to go in comedy, at some point Todd is going to have to make a choice. That he's going to have to quit his job to become a comedian. A full-time comedian. If you're really going to make a run at it, you cannot have a 9-to-5 job. You just can't. Or or you have to have a very flexible job. So you'd have to work at a place where your boss doesn't mind you taking off every other weekend. Um, and if you're gone for a month or two, your job is still waiting for you when you come back into town. Well, a lot of places will accommodate you like that. A lot of know? places will. But what I'm saying is that I want to change it so that it makes financial sense for you to leave your full-time job and go and do comedy full-time. I think there's a way of doing that. I think there's a way of, of you know, I mean, it's, it's a difficult process when you have, when you're, you know, a large comedy chain and you've got 17 companies across Canada and you have to keep a lot of rostered comics working all the time. It's mm -hmm. a, t a constant tour, right? But... You also have to work hard at finding other opportunities to keep them busy. And that's where I try to come in as much as I can. I mean, that's what my job is, is to provide opportunities, try to find opportunities along with other agents that work at Yuck Yucks to get them gigs, to get them shows. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to improve. I want to improve our ability to keep them working full time. I want uh, things like mortgage and car payments not to be a scary thing for comedians because you know, I know that there's a certain grind that you have to put in. I mm -hmm. know that you got to pay your dues, you know, right. stuff like that. But I also know it's possible that if we continue to work hard um, at finding good opportunities for comedians, um, I think we can help change that perspective in Canada that you don't have to leave here to go to the United States to become famous or to be big. Right. I think we have enough here to keep our people busy. And if they want to leave... Um, of course, you know, be supportive and stuff of all that type of thing. I mean, you hate to lose people that are super talented and everything, but you understand why people go to the United States is because of, you know, the opportunities that are there. Right. The entertainment, it's you know, a massive TV. Market. It's, it's a massive market. Ten times the size of our country. Absolutely. However, I think that there's room to do more here. I think there's room to, you know... To create content for TV, I think there's room to create content for for radio or for satellite. I think there's room to expand 
work, you know, not just on cruise ships, but to all inclusive vacation places. I think there's, I think like we can, there's a lot we can do and I, I want to do it all and it's hard to contain it. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, if I was a comedian, I'd be excited to hear that. And I, I, I get that feedback, but I think the biggest struggle I've had is that I think sometimes people forget that I've only been doing this for like, <laughs> like four months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I haven't been doing this long. And, and so you've done a lot of things in those four months. You've put on a lot of shows. I think I've counted the other day. I think I did 16 shows, 17 shows. That's a lot. In That's four months. Almost something every like that. weekend, sometimes two a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a lot. I've done a lot. And they've all, thank God. I mean, besides probably I could count on one hand how many shows we didn't sell out or we didn't, you know, knock out of the park. Yeah, like for sure. I think there's only been probably two shows out of those 15 that we didn't get a huge turnout. That's and one of them I'm talking, not a huge turnout with 60 people. But, yeah, it's been, I've had incredible luck with, with you know, finding places and putting on shows and. People coming, people wanting to see And it. people coming and, and, yeah. and having a club, even locally, like here, um, having a club locally that you're tied to, um, it, 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 it could go either way. It could go 50-50. Because you could really get along with people there, or you can really not get along with people, and that goes for any business. And I was—I didn't know what to expect. I'd never worked closely to, with a club like that. And I met um, Scott Robertson, the GM. I met uh, Angie and Kevin Booth and Jim Weston, and, and all the people tied into that club. And um, and uh, down to the servers, down to you know Becky and Kellen, and 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 You're just name dropping everybody. I'm name dropping everybody because everybody has been so fucking awesome to me it's been like a second home and yeah. i i'm so close with them now that you know we're on a texting base like we text and we go for lunch and we meet for breakfast and we do all these types of things and it feels like family but they've also given me that creative freedom to say you know what i want to try producing i don't want to just try selling shows i want to try producing things show produce my own show yeah and i've done that now and and it's it's uh and and they've gave me that you know, they gave me that opportunity to kind of, you know, say, hey, man, like, here's our stage and, and here's the support and here's, you know, for everything it. we can do for you. It, you got to put together something a yeah. and we've managed to do it. And and uh, so so to have that has been, you know, I, I've I got good advice from Jonathan Torrance from Trailer Park Boys a long time ago. He said, uh, if you're good at a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you can do a little bit of this and you can do a little bit of that you're always going to be employed in entertainment in Canada because people will always look for somebody who is able to do a multitude of things. Oh, you can do graphic design? Oh, awesome. You can produce a show? Cool. You know how to upload it to a video channel? You know how to do you know, marketing? You know how to do promotions? You know how to do... Yep. There's always something. There's always something. And, and, uh, and that's... I've subscribed to that process of... Um, it's almost a form of like meta learning. It's like Pareto principle of 80, 20, right? 20% Whoa. of you the are going down the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah. here. No, no, but it's a, but it's because people ask about the business end of things a lot of the times. And, and so I, I just to explain my philosophy on business is that I believe in that is that if I learn the basic fundamentals of something, it only takes 20% uh, to produce the 80%, right? So if I go in and I teach myself graphic design. Well, I just taught myself a trade. So now um, I design all my own posters, right, for every mm -hmm. show that I, I do. It's only recently, like in – actually, I haven't even produced one 
I think maybe one or two that I, I haven't done myself. I mean, you helped me out with some. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, like literally yesterday, um, uh, I think brought someone on board to help out with that as, as well. That they're just going to help me do a bunch of ones when I'm, I'm working or whatever. So, um, but that taught me graphic design. Um, I learned how to shoot video. I learned how to record audio. I learned how to produce a show. I learned how to, you know, uh, book a room. I know how to set up a room. I know how to do all these different types of things. So even at the end of the day, uh, if I were to leave this business, um, I've learned about eight or nine trades. You know, yeah. I know how to pro- produce a podcast. Now I produce a podcast for Kathleen McGee. I produce one for Pete Johansson. I, I you know, there's there's a million you know, different entities that I've got my hands in that I'm, you know, it's really become something, you know, that I built, I think, kind of out of nothing. You're a jack of all trades. A jake of, jake all, of trades. all trades, man. Yeah. All right, enough about this comedy crap. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why we wanted to talk today was to discuss the upcoming presidential election. Yes, and as everybody knows, I'm very passionate politically. That's not true. How much time do we have left? Um... Got about 15 minutes. Good Lord. Yeah. This may be the part one chronicles. Uh, we've tackled the ha- later half of my life. All right. Why don't we, you want to take a little break? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, no. We can, uh, oh. no, no. Like we can finish this one and then just make it a part two, maybe down the road or something. You want yeah. to, or you want to take a little break now and then come back in like 10? Yeah. All right. We'll come back in 10. All right. <coughs> so this came out when? This afternoon? I think this came out yesterday with some email leaks or something. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. It's a very convoluted race, man. It's a very, it's a dangerous race. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's really, so I had this conversation with Michael Yo, and Michael Yo was saying um, that he believes that a lot of this stuff is like drummed up just by the media. They make it look like it's a lot closer. It's like a dead heat right before the election to make it sound you know, really, like it's going to be close. You know, they're not doing that this time because she's whooping his ass in all the polls, isn't she? Yeah, no, no, but I mean, like, they're still making it look like he's got a chance, and that yeah. kind of engages viewers, right? Instead yeah. of just saying, listen, at the end of the day, uneducated white males cannot be your freaking base, and that's not going to win a general election. No, it won't. And, but, you yeah. know, I see some of the videos of his supporters. Right. And some of the st- some of the T-shirts that some of the, f- the people are wearing at I'm these rallies. Man. Are you Isn't embarrassed it crazy? about crazy? I'm not embarrassed. I'm just like it, I think- I'm shocked. I'm kind of kind of freaked out that people are still like that. You know, it's yeah. like it's really crude. Yeah, it's vulgar. Um, I mean, it's just it's like I don't. I can't explain it, man. It's just it's disheartening. I can it's, never it's- imagine growing up. And the way that, like, you know, that we were raised, and we were, like, 70s kids, I guess, right? But the way that we were raised, it was, like, the president was, like, the most respected person in the world. Like, that was, you know, I mean, aside from God, I mean, that's who kind of, you know, it was these people who were in this position of massive power, and you respected it. And and it was something to be admired, I think, you know, at that point in time. And, And to see where it's at now, and to see how far people... Um, took things with Obama to the point of where they were, you know, had him produce a birth certificate to prove, like, even, even like our first black president had to be tested like that to, 
to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's just it seemed that like such a that yeah. I'm, that I was embarrassed about. I was embarrassed. Yeah. What a humiliating thing to have to uh, <laughs> to have to go through to be asked for your birth certificate like that. Yeah, and and, and when if, it's and never been somebody, asked before of yeah. any other president. And I think I think it was CNN last night that just rolled this loop of a bunch of different situations where Donald Trump has done this, like just completely fabricated or, or uh, yeah. conspiracy theorized something. No, yeah. And all the different ones that he said, and I was just like, holy shit, this has been going on a long time, the mm-hmm. things that he's been saying. And Almost we laugh about a lot of stuff, like because it to a certain extent, I'm like, Okay, I laughed at like Lion Ted and Crooked Hillary and yeah, Little Marco. Little Marco, that's yeah, funny. That was it's some funny shit. And when he said, you know, you know, like Mr. Trump, you've referred to women as pigs and slobs, and he was like, <laughs> only Rosie O'Donnell. Like I laughed because I thought, okay, here's this guy who's going to shake things up a little bit and just make things fun to watch politically. But he'll never go anywhere. But he'll never go anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And now I'm just like, what? I think Where this we? guy inspired this whole crazy faction of the United States. And, you know, I don't know, man. I really like, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it is very disheartening to watch that because I'll turn on the TV at night and I'll look at, and I usually have the TV going in my office just in the background or whatever. And I just turn around and look at these people that they interview, and they're just like, I'm so disconnected they're from that. Crazy. It's crazy Nuts. shit. There's some like the one guy yesterday said people. something about, like, I'll do anything, get her out of office. Yeah. Or the guy was like, is that a threat? And he's like, you tell me. Yeah. You know? And then, like, Alex Jones, I saw this video of Alex Jones. I think I showed it to you. Who's Alex Jones for the listeners who don't know who that is? Alex Jones is this completely crazy conspiracy theorist, and he he embeds himself in Austin, Texas. And he's got this uh, cult following of just extremists and and people, patriots, and and people who think that the government is, you know, it's just this, like, tyrannical, you know, oppressive, uh, you know, the the man, you know, and, and all this type of stuff. They're trying to, you know, it's all, his commercials are all, like, survivalist shit. It's mm-hmm. very extreme. And, uh, you know, this guy has been known to say outrageous stuff. And, and uh, you know, and the other day I just saw this video of him like, like weeping, like weeping, going, Obama hates you. Hillary hates you. <laughs> you know, they want you to be poor and pathetic. And I'm not going to let him do it. <laughs> and he's crying. And I'm just like, going like, you know, and what's scary is that, like, you know, it's like you see someone like Trump holding a, a conference press conference or whatever and he's and he's just saying like you know these are all lies these are all just this is this is all propaganda this is all coordinated by the clintons this is all cnn you know all this type of stuff and people are just like eating it up and i'm blown away man i'm blown away that people are so easily sold on that so you know, all someone has to do is say that someone else is crazy or they're looking for fame and you're okay with that. You're okay with, you know, hey, out of nine or 11 women that have come forward and saying that, you know, Donald Trump uh, sexually assaulted them or, or made advancements on them, um, even in high risk poker, 
uh, there's a percentage of, of, of doubt. There's a percentage of, percentage of failure of, of, you know, taking the wrong route. And even at that level of, of a percentage of doubt, two or three women lied. There's still a lot of women who said that he has done this. And for people out there who are saying, well, why did they say it two weeks before, three weeks before the election or whatever? You know why? Is because he went on TV and categorically denied being this person. And he said, you know what? I don't grope women. I don't touch women like this. I respect women. And I think one woman or two women were like, you know what? Fuck you. That's exactly who you are because that's what you did to me. And I'm going to stand up and say something about it. And people don't know how hard it is to be a victim of sexual abuse or sexual assault or whatever it is. Yeah, but, and, but. And, and go and say something about it. And you know what it does? It inspires other victims to stand up and to say, yes, this did happen. And I'm not okay with it. And he's a liar for saying that. He's been saying horrible things about women, about uh, black people, about Latino people, about John McCain. Right. You know, all of a sudden people are offended that <laughs> that he says this right. because you know what I mean? Like, because he told, he said a bunch of white women lied. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, why is this the straw that broke the camel's back? Right. Why couldn't these people have seen what a lunatic this guy was? Right. Months, you ago. know, a year ago. Yeah. When he said some of the craziest shit that you've, that would yeah. normally sink any other candidate. There's, yeah, I saw something that, uh, they they can't fact check Donald Trump in real time because he just says so much bullshit. Yeah, they did like that, a percentage too. Yeah, like they like, can't even type it up fast enough to refute all the crap he all the bullshit that he says. But then that makes you wonder, like, if they know that this person is saying these outrageous things and they're lying, why do you cover every news conference? Why do you cover every press conference? Why do you cover everything every day? And you know, this is surely somebody who's looking out for their best interests of getting the, their own brand it's the thrill of what he may or may not say right when he gets up it's there. a car That's accident for sure wanna but like last night this. melania trump gives an exclusive to the same network he said is rigging the election yeah he didn't give it to fox news he didn't give it to to anybody else well, she did one with fox too Okay, but it's still a major news network that you are campaigning right. against right now. It was a primetime Anderson Cooper special, right? So who is he who is he really out for? Is he really out for his principles that, you know, this horrible network that has been doing nothing but rigging the election and going against them, but he's going to allow his wife to go on there and give an exclusive, or not an exclusive, but a near enough exclusive to Anderson Cooper. Yeah. You know what I mean? So clearly he's branding him, you know, he's doing, he's just staying relevant. Crazy. And I think last night I actually thought this. I was like, uh, what am I going to do when he's gone? <laughs> I don't know if he'll ever go away. Those am I ever going to watch? Like CNN probably has never seen these types of ratings before. No. This is the most watched, plotting, probably political, day-to-day shit show they've ever encountered. You know, I got to say, I wasn't overly enthusiastic about this election up until about months ago you know when he right. kind of became the nominee officially i guess that'd be four months ago but right you know in past elections i've followed it from day one hardcore like i would watch watch it you know yeah. from the time i got up listen to it at work come yeah. home listen to it again and listen you know read about it and i didn't really give a crap about it until about four months ago and right. then when he started saying some things that were just crazy know, just crazy it's like i gotta start 
start reading more about this. I got to start following this. I got to start yeah. watching this guy. Yeah. And I got to say, when he was in the debates when with the 16 other Republican candidates in the primaries. Right. I just, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it because he went in there and he said some things that were totally against what well, the I th- Republicans I think what it normally was. would say or do. Right. And I think what it was was that he was calling other people out on their bullshit. Yeah. Of saying, you know what, look at how, you know, the little Marco wavered. Look at he wavered over here. Yeah. He, you know, and he was calling them out yeah. in real time, which was something that never is, you know, really was done. I mean, before it was all like, uh, and there were press conferences when they're, when they're, you know, rallying at these places and like arenas and stuff like that, they'll talk to their base like that. Yeah. They'll talk about how horrible this person is. But then when they Never see them, they face. handshake yeah. and all this stuff. And Donald Trump was like, you know what? Little Marco's a liar. Yeah. He, you know, he's a fail. You never employ anybody. And he had these crazy stats and people just, you know, kind of took what he said at face they were value. All bullshit. It was complete bullshit. They're all bullshit. Yeah. So, okay, let me, uh, let me ask you some questions, rapid fire sure. style, before we wrap up this podcast. All right, you enjoy the podcast? I do. I, I think uh, I think we only scratched the surface of of uh, you know probably what people want to know and 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 hear, and probably some of my views on things. But uh, well, there was I think a it's a good of, start, man. There was a, a lot of uh, questions I wanted to ask you, but you just kept going on and on and on and on. I'm sorry, oh. man. Sorry. It's all right. Maybe we should do a part two. We'll see how what demand is like for this. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what people say about this one. They might, they might, I might lose listeners on this one. Probably. <laughs> you might want to, please don't put this on the internet, actually. Okay. Um, give me three of your favorite podcasts that you're listening to now. Oh, man. I just started listening to Joe Rogan again. Um, who else do I listen to? I listen to Trumpcast once in a while. That's the Slate uh, Jacob Weisberg yeah. podcast. And um, obviously, I listen to Kathleen McGee's A Hot Mess because I produce it. So, Good call. yeah. Uh, three of your favorite TV shows that you're watching now? I'm definitely on to um, Westworld. I've got a couple of friends that have been on that show, some some UFC fighters that have been on that show. So, I'm, 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 I'm loving that show, the premise of it. Okay. Um, I just finished watching The Night Of, which was great. Um, I stick to HBO stuff, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I think the trifecta, the the last show I've been watching, actually, I just started was uh, Divorce, which is a really good show, okay. and uh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole. I, I watch a bunch it's of too many stuff. to name. Yeah, you Game of Thrones or huge Game of Thrones man. I love that show. Yeah, yeah. My wife has show. a couple weeks off, and she says maybe we should watch the entire series. We should definitely should marathon it, man. Home. Yeah, yeah. You should do it, and I guarantee I, it's that same thing, right? It's like you get. And I like The Wire was one of my all-time favorites. And, and I have this weird OCD thing where I don't – I'll put off watching the final episodes because I don't want to say goodbye to the characters. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. I'll prolong shit. Yeah, on that. Uh, favorite movie. Top two movies. Talk, give me two movies. Um, Top two movies. This you is going to sound cheesy as hell, but uh, Jerry Maguire was one of them. Okay. Um, and uh, the other one, I think, favorite movie was probably – Man, man, there's so many good ones. I thought you'd say The Big Lebowski for sure. Yeah, I well, it's 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 because uh, I was g- actually going to say something around a documentary that I saw, like maybe something with Michael Moore that that explains a lot more about my my beliefs in life. But but I'd say The Big Lebowski is number one. The yeah. the video of my daughter being born would be s- number two. 
good. <laughs> I'm joking. That's probably kind of gnarly. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. There's no video of my daughter being born. Oh. No, uh, yeah, I would definitely say uh, the Big Lebowski. Uh, as people know, there's a little weird fact for people. I was rated number number five in Texas, and no, of the Southern United States is uh, being uh, the number one, uh, or sorry, the number fifth ranked trivia expert on the Big Lebowski. Wow, that's quite quite an honor. So it's a huge achievement. I was a little Lebowski urban achiever. Yeah, so yeah, it's a great thing. But yes, uh, yeah, uh, the who big do you Lebowski. Want, yeah. Who do you want to win the election? Um, Hillary Clinton. Definitely. Are you afraid that being a proud left winger is detrimental to your career? Do you, are, are you afraid of any, uh, you know, kind of uh, backlash on that? No. In short answer, no. I'm proud of my convictions, and um, I try to champion as much as I can. If I'm in the presence of ignorance, I've learned not to shut up about it. I try to I try to speak up as much as I can. Hey, you're a pretty gentle guy that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Really I go off on people. these political rants, even if it is at, like, Thanksgiving dinner, where I'll just Yeah, go. that was crazy. Yeah. Our brother sent the video to us. Yeah. You were... Uh, yeah, you were I like, felt like the dad from American History like, X, where I was like, you're like Ward Cleaver, talking propaganda to all the kids <laughs> at the d- dinner table. But yeah, I, I go off on these little tangents about things I'm passionate about for sure. That was a great dinner. You yeah. guys host fantastic dinners, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Well, we should probably uh, say goodbye to the listeners. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it. I couldn't have thought of uh, anybody else that would uh, know me better and know the questions to ask and. Uh, that was good. Well, I hope I we appreciate got some it, insight man. into the mind of a, of a genius, of a comedic <laughs> legend. <laughs> I'll probably be, uh, I'll probably be selling uh, selling cars by next spring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, folks, and there you have it, the interview with myself, (laughs) your host. Hope you guys enjoyed it, got a little bit of insight into uh, my life and uh, a little bit about who I am. And thank you again to my brother, Jason, for doing that. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, eventually pick someone, uh, a comedian, to do maybe a part two with me to kind of find out a bit more about uh, my philosophies and comedy and everything else and uh, dive down the hole a little bit deeper. So, hey, thanks again for listening, folks. I hope you guys enjoyed it. On behalf of uh, myself, uh, your host, Jake Hirsch, uh, and the entire crew with Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, of course, our webmaster, Camille Argue, and her wonderful husband, Lane Argue, who lays down all the badass acoustic tracks for this. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. And check out his website, laneargueguitar.com. And I will see you, Toronto, next week. I will have a great episode for you guys hopefully next week. Uh, Yeah. All right. Love you guys. See you then.